long, long time ago. I hadn't been a Christian for, I, I bet I hadn't been a Christian for more than three or four months, actually. And I met this man, this, this young man, who had cerebral palsy. You may remember this. Just that part made me tweak your memory. And there were some friends of ours. We had just met him, and these friends of ours um, felt called one night to pray for him. I felt called to pray for him. I believed what I was being told. I believed that God had the power and the ability to do miracles. I believe that God answers prayers. So, I don't know, I don't remember if it was my idea, if it was my friend's ideas, but we went to this guy and we said, we would love to pray that God would heal you because we believe in the power of prayer. So he said, yes, I, I want to be healed. So we went to my friend, his name was Mike Wiley's house. We went to his house and we began praying. And we, I prayed like I have never prayed before or since, by the way. We prayed all night long for this guy that he might be healed. And until we could pray no more, we were exhausted. It was only then that we stopped. And it appeared that nothing had changed. At least not in him. But something had changed in me. My prayer life, as a matter of fact, from that moment on, from that day forward, has never been the same. And for the longest time, it wasn't a good thing either. In fact, for the longest time, I stopped praying. Because I thought, now, let me stop for just a second. I didn't stop praying because I stopped believing. I still believed in God. I still believed that, that God hears our prayers. I still believe that God has the power to do miracles. But when I talked to my friends afterwards who had been Christians for much longer than I had, I said, why didn't God heal them? We prayed earnestly. Why didn't God heal this guy? And, and my friend, Mike Wiley, he said, he said, well, Craig, it wasn't God's will. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, he says, well, we can pray all we want. But if it's not God's will, he's not going to do something that is against his will. And I thought, well, that makes sense. Does that make sense to you? It made sense to me. But that truth caused me to go, well, if God's not going to do anything that he doesn't want to do anyway, what's the point of praying? Right? Have you ever asked that question? You see, I knew that I wasn't the only one that had a misconception. I knew that there would be people here this morning that have thought the same thing or had very similar experiences. Maybe you didn't articulate it the way I just did because you have your own stories, right? But you know exactly what I mean when I say, what's the point of praying? If God's going to do, which he should, if God's going to do the right thing or what needs to be done anyway. Listen to me. The biggest problem that I had was that I misunderstood the purpose of prayer. You see, if you came into church this morning believing that the purpose of prayer was for you to inform God 
of what your needs are, you are wrong. That's not the purpose of prayer. God already knows what your needs are. So the question then becomes, what is the purpose of prayer? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about this morning. We have been, for those of you who may be guests with us for the first time today, we have been in a sermon series entitled Discipleship Toolbox. And basically what we're doing is we are unpacking our, our toolbox that contains the tools that you will need to help you grow as a disciple of Christ, that will help you to grow in your relationship with God. So um, the fourth tool in our toolbox is called prayer. But before we get to that, I'm going to take just a moment to recap for you, for those of you who may not have been here last week, uh, the tools that we unpacked last week. All right? Would you allow me to do that? Tool number one, you may remember if you were here last week, tool number one that you should take out of your discipleship toolbox is sharing. If you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, one of the most important things that you can do is share with one another what's going on in your life. The highs and the lows of what's going on in your life. Now you may be thinking, what does that have to do with growing, as, sharing with each other? How does, what does that have to do with growing as disciples in Christ? Well, hang on, and you'll see how it all fits together in just a minute. So we know the first one is sharing. The first tool is to share. Share with one another what's going on in our lives. Tool number two is to read, Right? To read not just anything, but to read your Bibles. If you want to know how to grow in discipleship, if you want to know how to grow in your relationship with God, you need to be reading your Bibles every day. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Listen to me. Reading your Bible every day is not as daunting as we make it out to be. I was meeting with our life group last, uh, last Wednesday night at our house, and most of us, we were going, most of us were going, we know we need to do it. We just don't know where to start. We don't know how to do it. And listen to me. I'm gonna, I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. Listen to me. Reading your Bible every day is as simple as reading one verse. Just start with one verse. Well, I don't even know how to do that. Okay. Well, most of us have smartphones. Mine's back there. Um, most of you have smartphones. I mentioned last week, just go to your app store, buy a Bible app. You can get them for free. Most of them are free. In fact, the one I have is free. It's called Version. Download it to your phone. And every time you click on that, it will give you a verse for today. You won't even have to go and figure that out yourself. It will give it to you. In fact, it'll email it to you <laughs> if you want to. But you need to read your Bible. And just start with one verse. That's all you need to start with. And don't make it harder than it is. Which leads us to discipleship tool number three. Which is to talk about how that verse you just read applies to your life. So now you see how they fit together? You need to share with one another what's going on in your life, your highs and your lows. You need to read your Bible, even if it's just one verse. And then you need to talk with one another how that verse applies to your life. 
See, the discipleship tools are intended to work together, right? Which, by the way, leads us to discipleship tool number four, which is prayer. Actually, more specific, it's the discipleship tool of intercessory prayer. You ever heard that term? It's kind of a big religious term. It's not nearly as as uh, uh, complicated as it sounds. Basically, intercessory prayer is when we pray for one another. That's all it means. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you, or you're going to pray for me. We're going to intercede with God for each other. Now, some of you, remember last week when I say, the temptation will be for you to use these tools all by yourself? To think, I don't need to do this with, with anybody else because I can do this by myself. Don't intercessory prayer. You can do it all by yourself. You can pray for me all by yourself. You can pray for each other all by yourself. But don't fall into that trap because I'm telling you, there is a power that comes when we pray as disciples of Christ together. Which leads us to our scripture for today. You already heard it read. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. You remember what it said? Open up your Bibles if you haven't got it. Open up your Bible app if you've got your Bible app. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Your different versions will say different things, but basically this is what it says. Jesus said this. He said, Whenever two or three agree upon something in my name, then my Father in heaven will do it for them. Wherever two or more have gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. Now, you may have been here um, in the last couple of months. I actually preached on this verse uh, a few months ago. And if you were here, you'll know that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in Matthew chapter 18 that we can glean from this passage. But there's something specific about prayer that these two verses speak to. It's talking about the power of praying together. And basically that power can be described as two things. Accountability and unity. There is power that comes when we pray together. And that power is accountability and unity. So what does that mean? Well, you may have noticed if you are a human being, which you all are, You may have noticed that we human beings have the power to justify almost anything. Have you ever done that? We do this all the time because of our particular bias, because of the the perceptions that we have in life, because of the circumstances of our lives. What we do is we begin to see things and want things, and because of the only because of it's our perspective, we think that that's the way it ought to be. And then we can ask for things that may not be right or appropriate and be totally convinced that it is the exact thing that needs to happen. We do that all the time as human beings. So that's where accountability comes in. When you pray with other Christians, you're accountable with them. You see, what will happen is you you bring your bias and perspective to everything. Well, so does your spouse, and so does your friend, so does your life group leader. And when you pray together, what the accountability that occurs when you pray together is that you suddenly just, you, you will say, you know what, I'm not, I understand why you're, why that's, why that's what you want to pray for. 
But have you ever thought about this? That maybe this is the reason why we shouldn't pray for that? Or have you ever thought about that? Maybe we should be praying for that too? You see what I'm saying? That accountability brings different perspectives. And that's where unity comes in. Because once you have, you have held each other accountable in prayer, and you can agree that this thing that you want to pray for is the right thing to pray for, this is what you will discover. When you have accountability and unity in prayer, what you will discover is that the, the amount of prayer that gets answered goes up exponentially. That's power, isn't it? Hold on just a second, Colin. So if you pray with others in accountability and unity, you will discover that your prayer, the answers to your prayers will go up exponentially. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are sitting out there, those of you that were listening just a few moments ago. Some of you are sitting out there and you're saying, wait a minute, Craig. That story that you just told us about the young man that you prayed for for hours on end that had cerebral palsy. You prayed for him in unity. There was more than two or three of us, by the way. And we all agreed that it would be a good thing that if God would choose to heal him. But he didn't get healed. Sounds like a contradictory experience to what the truth, the scripture says. So what's going on? What's going on is that there's another aspect to prayer, a fundamental aspect of prayer that we haven't identified yet. It's called humility. Contrary to popular opinion, you ain't that smart. Contrary to popular opinion, there was really only one person that knows how everything fits together. And who is that person? God. Have you ever, you've heard this term before, haven't you? Omniscient. God is omniscient. What that means is that God knows everything. God knows how everything is supposed to fit together. Why this has happened. And how this thing affects that thing. And that thing over there. You're not that smart. You are not omniscient. You are not omnipresent. You are not everywhere all the time. Only God is. So in, when you come to prayer, you must come with a spirit of humility. Meaning, when you pray, you can ask for, you can come together with others and pray in unity and accountability for anything. But you must bring to that prayer that sense of humility, ultimately saying, but not thy will, my will, but thy will be done. Even Jesus did that, right? Now some people would say, well, that's just a lack of prayer. That's just a lack of faith. You need to pray with confidence, and it's, it's that confidence that will speak it into reality. That is not the truth. Humility, when you enter into prayer, this tool from your toolbox, this discipleship tool called prayer, if you don't use that tool with humility, 
you're going to mess it all up. So, I still haven't answered the question, really, what is the purpose of prayer then, have I? So I'm going to tell you. And it's not nearly as complicated as you might have thought. Why do you need to pray? It's because God loves you. You know what prayer is? It's being in relationship with God. God wants you to know him as well as he knows you. And that can only happen in relationship. You see, what happens when you are in relationship with God is this. God doesn't change. You change. You shouldn't be praying in the hopes of changing God's mind. You should be praying so that simply being in relationship changes your prayers. Does that make sense? The closer you get to God, what you will discover is that the kind of prayers that you've been praying all along will just, they will, they will, they won't be the same anymore. And when you pray together, in accountability and unity. Remember before when I said when you pray together with accountability and unity, you will find your prayers being answered exponentially more? Well, when you pray together in accountability and, and unity and humility, with your heart's desire primarily being to fall more deeply in love with Jesus, everything changes in, in ways that you never dreamed or imagined. One of the things, this is not my sermon, but I want to say it. Trishel is one of my friends in my life group, and we were talking about um, praying out loud, you know, being in a group and praying out loud. And we, we're, we, we think, well, I'm not sure that sounds articulate, or um, what if I stumble over my words? And as we were talking about that, it came to all of us is that the reason why we get uptight and concerned about that because that happens to everybody unless you're a professional prayer like me, right? <laughs> the reason why we get uptight about that stuff is because we forget. We think that the prayers are for them or to them, to the people we're praying with, when in reality they're for God. And God doesn't care whether you're articulate or not. He just wants to be in relationship with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come before you uh, this morning... We just want to be in relationship with you. That's what we're striving for, be in relationship with you. We want to learn more about you. We want to love you more. We want to, to, because we know that the more we learn about you and the more we love you, the more our lives are going to change, the more our lives are going to be better. They're not going to be perfect. There's still going to be pain and sorrow and hurt and worry. But the more we are like you and the more we are in relationship with you, the more we are in love with you, the more we realize that all we have to do is offer this stuff that has been burdening us. All we have to do is offer it to you and then believe 
that because you love us just even more than we love you, it's all good. Even the pain that we feel in our heart from the brokenness is all good. Even when someone that we love has died because of you, it is all good. Even when our marriage is starting to feel like it's falling apart, even that brokenness is good in your hands. I don't know how. I don't know how that works. But I trust you. And I believe that you can take our brokenness and you can do something immeasurably good with it. Sometimes we make the mistake, Lord, of, of thinking that we want to be happy and, and when we should really want to be joyful. And the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is circumstantial. Joy is relational. Our circumstance, we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world, which means that circumstances from time to time are going to be broken. But when we choose to live for joy in the relationship that we have with you, we can know that it's all good. And that's what I'm praying for my brothers and sisters today. And that's what I'm praying for myself today. I'm choosing to live for joy in the relationship that I have with you. Thank you, Jesus.